It's been a while since we've had a picnic up here. That text was out of the blue, but it is nice to be outside. What'd you pack for lunch? I see you eyeing my sandwich. Why are we here again? <laughs> well, I ran into a Karen. A Karen? No, 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 no. Not that kind of Karen. Like you a, said a Karen. A really nice Karen. I want to tell you the story. Oh, okay. She was in line at the DOI. Department of the Interior, huh? And a loud ring came from her pocket. So I gave her a sideways look, and then she said, This is the weekly update from my sister's guardian that I look forward to during tax season. I asked her if her guardian was Elizabeth. She confirmed, and I smiled a bit. A few weeks ago, Elizabeth and I built out an automation to update all of her clients weekly, and I figured it'd be nice to bring Elizabeth up to the picnic park, eat some sandwiches, and walk through the automation. Up for having some company stats? Absolutely. All right, good, because I invited her anyway. Oh. That's her walking up the hill now. Let's break out the laptop. Hi. So did you pack a sandwich for her? I'm not sharing my sandwich. Oh, systems. Some talk to each other, some don't. We've all been there before, wishing that one teeny bit of information could be matched up with information from somewhere else just to do something cool with it. You got that right. Who wrote this script? Today, we're trying something new. Internet friend Elizabeth joins us for lunch as we chat about her latest automation and the work she's doing to help the elderly and disabled. All of that on this week's Automation Down. <laughs> more emails. We need more emails. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for being here. Uh, what are we doing here today? What's happening right now? All right. So this is our first ever guest on Automation Love Loud Town. What an honor. We're here with Elizabeth, who we had met on Twitter. And so we're internet friends. And I wanted to chat with her about some fun stuff we built, but most importantly, raise some awareness around what Elizabeth is building, because it was completely new to me. So the idea of talking about a really cool business with some really fun automations felt like a nice conversation to have for Automation Town. So that's what brings us here today. Well, the two of you are Twitter friends. I'm new to this. Elizabeth, give me the lowdown. Give me the story on this business. So I have like two businesses basically that I'm running under one. I have been doing taxes since 2002. In 2009, we were looking for ways to have some off-season revenue coming in. And I have a legal background, specifically probate, paralegal work mostly. And then I worked for a trust company at a bank. At the same time, my ex-mother-in-law was starting to experience some dementia. And she was a recipient of social security, food stamps, section eight housing assistance, and needed Medicaid, which is the welfare health insurance program provided by the government to pay for caregivers um, and eventually a nursing home. So I was helping her with all these processes, getting caregivers in place and learned that there was one other person in my state, which is Indiana, that provided guardianship services at that time. And to be someone's guardian, you're basically them via court order. So we just decided to do that kind of small. Uh, Medicaid gives me $35 a month to be someone's guardian and be in charge of all of their healthcare decisions, all of their financials, getting them on Medicaid, getting them services or into a nursing home. So at the time that I decided to do that, there was a guardian in our community who had passed away. So I inherited about five or six of her clients. And it has since just 
exploded because now there's about four or five of us in the state that do this and the need is huge. Federal government kind of caught on board four or five years ago. And so now there's some volunteer programs happening through the area on aging's to be volunteer guardians, but they only want to do people that are in nursing homes or in group homes. They want to do the easy cases. Mm. And I have been doing this for so long now that I get the honor of all the difficult cases. <laughs> and I love it. Like I could care less about making tons and tons of money because I love being in the trenches helping these people. And our goal is to just give them the best quality of life that we can give them with their financial situation. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. I have learned everything I could possibly want to know about mental health systems and how our country is failing everybody. The aged and disabled system, which is decent. Dementia is really getting a lot of recognition right now. And the intellectual disability system, which is actually fairly robust. You know, you get somebody on all the spectrums. It's difficult. I have a few people in the VA system and it's terrible. <laughs> but wow. that's just because the VA is hard to deal with themselves. But I'm literally stepping into the shoes of these people. And I have yeah. so much experience now from all their different life experiences. I mean, I was guardian for the guy who developed the high-speed rail system in Japan. Wow. <laughs> so, the bullet train? Is that what they call it? I'd have to go find the book that he wrote and gave me eight oh, copies right. of. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, this guy was very angry when I met him and drinking too much because he couldn't remember when he last drank and was manufacturing bullets in his basement. And I had to get all of the guns and the bullet making equipment out of his house. So that's where the name came from then. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. What a cool background. How did you get connected with Chad here? Online, on the internet, Twitter. just Skulking for automation opportunities? Uh, yes, <laughs> asking for help with status updates because... Please, does anyone need help? <laughs> I was uh, spending hours, actually my teenager, <laughs> spending hours every week Ooh. sending a status update to all of my tax clients because we got tired of fielding the where's my return calls. So every week we send an email. I have four emails, basically. One that says, hey, we got your file. This is what to expect. One that says, we're working on your file. You're going to get this email for a long time. Deal with it. Hey, your file's stuck. We're missing information. Or hey, your file's done. And so any tax return we have in the queue gets one of those emails with the intent of it being, we haven't forgotten about you. Mm -hmm. We're sorry you're getting these repetitive emails and they make you mad, <laughs> but we still haven't forgotten about you. <laughs> yeah, even just the non-update update. Yeah, and I really wanted a way to streamline that because it was taking so much time and, you know, school starts again on August 3rd and she's got volleyball and, you know, she's a senior this year and I can't have her forever. I mean, I could, I guess, but... <laughs> <laughs> but this probably isn't something she wants to do forever. No. It's, it wasn't fun. I was using Cognito Forms to, uh, basically, she got a list of names and emails and what status to get. And she was just typing in a name and an email in a Cognito Form over and over and over again for hours. Oh, God bless her. I think when I found that out, I just had to help. <laughs> I told her, I said, I met this friendly Canadian online. Oh, boy. Speaking of Canadian, this, this could go different <laughs> ways. But, you know, we're like 6% of the size of the United States, depending on how you look at it. And hearing your story, like to build off of Jason's question of, okay, there was one to start, now there's four or five. It blows my mind that a state would have so few people available to support such a growing demand of the population. So for context, and I'm, this is really for education purposes for me, what should that number be instead of five right now? Where, where do you think it should be? Well, okay, first off, if they have family, they don't need me 
right? So I'm only being asked to help in the instance where there's no family or the family's not appropriate or the person's really, really so difficult that family can't do it, which does happen. So ideally, everyone has a family member or a trusted friend that's able to do this. But there's actually quite a large population, at least that I encounter, that they don't have kids. They don't have anybody. That's right. So ideally, I usually run about 60 on my caseload, and I get calls every single day wanting more. And you can't deliver on it. 60 people at a time? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I have a staff of five. I have two full-time just for that position. So you have this firm that's been around for 20 years. Fast forward, we've met, we've we've built something together that hopefully saves some time. You mentioned Cognito Forms was something that you started with. That in itself is typically further than most people get for choosing types of automations and just having those in place. So when did you put those into your company initially? I've been using Cognito Forms for about four years. And I was trying to just make uniform language going out to people. So I have an appointment confirmation form that talks about all my fees if they've made like, here's your appointment time and date, here's what to expect for fees. And then I have one on my website for making a credit card payment or contact form. And then we use them a lot internally. I actually have a phone tree in Cognito Forms. There's no submit button, doesn't go anywhere, but I already bought the program. So I just built a phone tree. So if someone answers the phone, they can try to figure out who to transfer it to. You're using Cognito Forms for all kinds of things. I never use anything for the intended purpose. I always try to find a way to bust it out. We just started the status update this year. <laughs> okay, good. Just this year. <laughs> so le- less than 50 times spending three, yes. to, six, three to six hours doing and she this. And she moved out two months later. <laughs> <laughs> He's counting. <laughs> good. So this, this is kind of perfect timing. So what led you to sort of reach out on the Twitter sphere? What was that? What was that impetus that you hit? Well, it was in the tax season and I knew there had to be a way to automate things. And then I had joined an online discussion where other people were talking about Zapier, I think. And I was like, surely somebody can make this work for me. And I had previously kind of tried to use Upwork or something to hire somebody and I didn't get very far. I got a lot going on. I don't have a lot of time to spend searching things out. And then I table it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll get to that. Well, you know, March eternity is still rolling here. So I haven't really been able to focus on anything. But I knew that automating as much as I could, it was going to be beneficial to all the turnover we've been experiencing and keeping people happy. And I just was throwing it out. Can someone help me? And then you responded. <laughs> You're like, I'm losing my daughter. <laughs> she, 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 I do not want to do this three to six hours a week. What are my options? Yes. I love the idea that like in your case, like your heart is very clearly on one side of the business and then the money's on the other side of the business. So like, let's automate what we can on the money side so we can focus on the important stuff. Because I feel like a lot of times in your business, when you automate something, you're like, great, I don't have to do that thing anymore. And everyone's like, oh, you're going to get that time back to do higher value, something, something. But what you really do is you just take on another client that you wouldn't have otherwise taken on, that you probably still shouldn't have taken on. Yep. But like in this case, like you're genuinely saving time to go do good and salvage your relationship with your daughter. And like this is maybe the most feel good automation story I've seen. <laughs> Well, I've been busy rebranding, trying to be very clear to my clients that my goal is family work-life balance, not working excessive hours. Yeah. 
leave me the hell alone yeah. LLC. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you can have me when all the kids have graduated high school for about five or 10 years when I work really, really hard and then I'm out. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah. It's a good point, Jason. Like you don't normally like have feel good stories about automations. You have, oh, thank goodness that's done. Next. And you're just like in some sort of rat race yeah. of, of finishing up work. What's under the hood here? Let's talk nerdy to me. Let's not go too long either, because I know this can... Oh, even just talking like this is actually taking too long. Land the plane, Chad. Okay, here we go. So this was really fun because I had no idea how she was sending out emails. So to find out that she was sending off all of her notifications through Cognito Forms was mind-blowing to me. I'd never heard of that. Have you seen something like that before? No, is there a reason to do that besides just your email client? It was comfort. And it just reminded me again that you use the tools you know. And if you know that you can initiate a form by filling something out and then it can send off an email to somebody, by all means, like if that's what you know in terms of a tool and how to send something out automated like that with a structured data set, by all means, go for it. So that was the conversation we had around, would you like to actually use an email? system for this, but it turned into too much work to change all the templates because there's a lot of work. There's years and years and years of refinement that went into that. And then to retry to build it out and test, it was just not really in the scope of this exercise. So that was the first issue. What I was hoping to do is really address her problem, which was she had somebody, her daughter, take all of the data that was sitting in this one system, put it into a spreadsheet, and then manipulate it line by line to extract things like the status, the names, the information linked back to other companies to get the emails. It was literally saying like, Bob Jones, go to Wealthbox, type in Bob Jones, get the email address, paste the email address for Bob Jones back into the spreadsheet. Next. And each of those status updates was sent out of Cognito Forms individually, right? But the spreadsheet had to be queued up first. So imagine there's a family with two people. They would have to be Bob Jones, Susie Smith, boom, go into Wealthbox, grab both of those, put them into the actual form in Incognito, and then send it out, and then mark it off line by line. Yeah. That was... You know, something that you obviously can do through Google Sheets, Cognito, and then some sort of middleware, whether it's Zapier or Integramat or N8N or anything like that. So to keep things going, I wanted to understand all the problems. And it can be classified as the names don't match between the systems. Cognito was being manually filled out with data that was easily accessible over an API. And there was just a lot of work because the data didn't really match. It could be one name in one system and one name in another with just a little bit of hyphens or periods or things like that. So it made it really tough for the daughter to actually go through and do all this work. So I broke it down into saying, okay, what actually do we have? And what's an ideal workflow for her to use? And you know, a lot of these times, like we'll come to a show and we'll say, okay, how would you do something like this? But I think to keep this shorter, I'll just say, I wanted her to be able to upload that CSV that came from one system into a Cognito form. And then by the time she's finished uploading it, in her email is a link to the Google document that this has now created and has already talked to Wealthbox for. And then once she's finished uploading and massaging and spending those 20 minutes to make sure that it's accurate, she can go back to that same email and press a button that approves the sending off of all of the information keeping it super simple. Mm -hmm. It worked. So now she gets an email 
actually creating the spreadsheet from the the form was fine and really that's all the work that she did change the names make sure it's accurate and then as soon as she does that the spreadsheet updates and you're ready to go what a cool experience Okay, so taking all this into account, we built some cool stuff here. Scratch kind of one itch, but like honestly, these all these little workflow things, like they're under every couch cushion you turn over in a business, I feel like. I guess how does this change your perspective of how you think going forward if you encounter things besides just reaching out to strangers, Canadian strangers online? I guess how's this shifted your perspective of how you troubleshoot this sort of thing going forward? I keep wondering if there's somebody out there that started some sort of consulting business to help people get this. And honestly, I i mean, I think they sort of exist, but I haven't really been able to find it enough. Are you hearing the penguins in my background, by the Is way? Is it penguins? Penguins? Look at that. They're jumping right off the iceberg into the water right there behind her. <laughs> uh, okay. So back to the question. So personally, I would love to find just kind of a contractor I could hire to review processes to help me automate things that I don't know. In this world, although I sort of have a little bit of IT in my day-to-day role of keeping printers printing, this is beyond my day-to-day expertise. So I would love to find someone that could just audit my systems and help me figure out what else could be automated that I didn't think about. You know, I see online some chatter about automating bill pay and things like that. But because of the guardianship work that I do and the paranoia that comes along with a lot of my clients, I tend to keep things really old school in that because I just love the paper trail. And I have not yet been convinced that there's another way to do that without exposing liability to myself. But there might be, and I just don't know it exists. So if you were to boil this down to a takeaway for people, it would be you're probably more likely now to go out and find that expertise, to go out and find someone that you could pull in to help develop the process, whether it's a cool new agey process or honestly, whether it's even an old timey process. Like we talk about old timey processes a lot, like how to automate sending faxes and like like even old school things, I think sometimes there's opportunities there. Uh, But I love that. Like, don't be afraid to like raise your hand. Like, don't be afraid to seek out that expertise. Like for everybody, like not for you, for me, for Chad, like there's so many rad people out there that are doing cool things you would never think of. And unless you've got kind of the courage to say, hey, I don't know this thing. Can somebody help me? Like you'll never find that person, right? I mean, I get referrals constantly for people whose parents have aging problems because everybody in my town knows, Elizabeth knows about this. And I'm not the person that helps any of it. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to call this person or you need to call this person because there's not a good uniform database for who do you call for this type of help anywhere or anything. It's like this for almost anything in life. Without trust, Yep. you kind of give up on something unless you're incredibly risky, right? If you want to try something new and all these buzzwords around the internet now around automation and efficiency and doing things, you know, a lot faster. It's kind of buzzy, right? You don't really know if you can trust it or not. And like, who are these people behind the scenes that might have access to your data? Is this even safe? If there's a way for you to get those recommendations from people, yeah, it does seem like you might be open now to receiving those if someone said they had a good experience with somebody and you're willing to try it. But getting that trust in the first place is really probably pretty hard for a lot of people. If you think back to those people that you've met over the last 20 years that have really stood out to you and like their story is like a reminder of like why you got into this, why you continue to do it. What is one of those stories if you're up for sharing? So there is a government, it's in Indiana, it's part of the prosecutor's office called Adult Protective Services. 
So if an adult is incompetent and endangered, then Adult Protective Services can step in and resolve the situation and make things safe. I get a lot of referrals from them. And I received a phone call from Adult Protective Services about uh, Dorothy. She had been found in her sister's garage with maggots in her legs. She was so uh, neglected. Turned out, Dorothy was one of the icons of being unhoused in our community. I mean, I'm born and raised here, and I've always known who Dorothy is. She is the little lady with the shopping cart and long gray hair, and you don't talk to her because she's mean. (laughs) That was Dorothy. And we had to put her in um, a nursing home after she went to the hospital. But she's schizophrenic and requires significant mental health medications, which limits her choices and what facilities will take her. And, you know, when you go from living on the streets to a nursing home, I don't know that it matters. And she has done really well there. I mean, it was rough, the initial transition. Her sister lives about an hour away, Karen, and then she comes to visit, takes her out when she wants to, keeps in contact. Dorothy has children that don't really have anything to do with her. Uh, My understanding of the story is that when Dorothy's schizophrenia really kicked in, her husband at the time had to make a choice between caring for Dorothy or caring for their children. And so he brought Dorothy to Bloomington and left her and took care of the children, which is probably the right choice because she was not nice in her younger years. She's content now. They've got her on good medication. She's participating as she can. Her family sees her as they can. And for her, it's, I mean, this is probably the best quality of life that she could expect or want, even though it may not be what we want for her, for her, she's happy. And I'm happy for her. How long have you been looking after Dorothy? Oh, I would have to look that up for a long time, over 10 years. So based on this conversation we had before, I reached out to Karen and had a conversation with her. And I don't know if you know this, but the impact that you've had on her family and her life has been profound. Hi there, I'm Karen from Columbus, Indiana. When you first were introduced to to Elizabeth, what did those first few months look like? Well, it just made my life so much easier and I felt so much better about my sister and her well-being. Number one, that she was off the streets and that she was placed in a, a nursing home and taken care of and sheltered and fed. And I didn't have to go looking for her because I couldn't get her to come you know, to our hometown to stay. That's where she wanted to be, and that's where she was. So I didn't have to worry about her anymore. Elizabeth was taking care of all of that. Elizabeth was very good at first to go and visit my sister and form a relationship with her and get to know her. And I do want to add that Elizabeth was very, very responsive to my sister's needs, things that my sister said that she needed or wanted, or things that I have worked with elderly and elderly parents a good bit. So there were a lot of things that she needed. And as soon as I would bring something up to Elizabeth, I mean, immediately it was done. She was providing and listening and very responsive. And that just was (laughs) so much better for my life and Dorothy's life and the rest of our family's life. So I just know she's well taken care of and that if I bring up anything or see a need, it's going to be done. She's just wonderful. Elizabeth is very good at what she does. How often do you get that sort of feedback from from customers that you help? 
Pretty often. I'd say overall pretty often from the families, not the person themselves, but the families. The person themselves really resent me usually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we were to recap that conversation with Karen, it started off with nothing but platitudes, gratitudes, uh, thank yous, um, a lot of admiration, respect for, I think she mentioned the better part of, what was it, like 13 years or so that you've been looking after Dorothy? And you could tell in her voice that she had nothing but admiration and respect and thankfulness for working with you. And like her hope was that Indiana could be filled with as many Elizabeths as possible for people that were in her situation. And yeah, I couldn't agree. I think this, this type of service with people like you who have hearts of gold and the skills to back that up and actually help people through these really complicated services are, are what makes the world go around. So on behalf of Karen, thank you. It's nice to hear it when you get dogged on all the time, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Automation Town is hosted by Chad Davis and Jason Statz and edited by Paul Omar. Share your problems with us on Twitter at Chad Davis. Is it just Chad Davis? Yeah. And J Stats CPA. How do you spell that? So there's a J Stats S T A. TS, it's a palindrome, but it has CPA at the end, so it's not a palindrome. Right, so if we're following along, J-S-T-A-A-T-S-C-P-A. You did say it right. And if you're enjoying the pod, please leave Automation Town a review by submitting a note in person at the Automation Town Civic Center. Or by sending us a fax at 555 947 